All right, now let's open our Bibles. And we are going to open our Bible. I have a CD here, sorry, a DVD. Luke chapter 11. And we are going to study uh, something that hopefully is going to be good for you. And as you see right there, the title for today is The Midnight Friendship. By the way, we got a new video projector. I don't know if you noticed that. And I'm so happy. It used to be 500 lumens and we have to close every. Now we can even open the windows and you can see it. And midnight friendship, for a simple reason. You see the, the, the person right there. I got a picture of someone sleeping so deep. Because I think when it's midnight, you really sleep. I mean, when it's midnight, one o'clock, you are, you are really sleeping. And the story that we are going to read today, it happens during that moment when this person is really on bed, already sleeping. And we are going to maybe focus this story, this whole parable, because it's about a parable in this story, in another direction. This man we are going to be talking about, we are going to be using four different parables, and this is one of them. This parable, as you know, is being used by Christ after the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. They said, Jesus, please teach us to pray the same way John is teaching or he has teached to his disciples. So if you open your Bible again, you are going to find that chapter 11 is very much, and I'm going to show you, divided in three different sections. First of all, the first section is going to be the prayer part which is from verse number 1 to verse number 4. And the next section, which is the parable, is going to be divided between verses number 5 and verse number 8. Even that there shows number 10 is number 8. So we are going to focus on verse number 8. To, sorry, verses number from 5 to 8 today. And I want you to focus on that, and after that we're going to talk a little bit more about the next verses. So, let's read number five. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, let me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come, has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Those are the first two verses, five and six. First of all, I want to tell you that when you read these two verses, you don't know the person who is talking. This is just a story. At the same time, we know the means. Why is this person doing that? And if I read it again, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, I'm going to stop right there for a second. When you read in an NIV, it won't make that much sense. When you read, even I asked my wife, I said, read this thing slowly. Suppose one of you has a friend, so far we're talking about a friend, and he, that he is supposed to be who? The friend. He goes to him. Now, who is that him? Right. But the way the verse is written is not, you know, the way NIV translates that is not really that good. Now, if you go and see the three different verses that the three different versions that we have here, NIV King James is going to show you and read it different. And he said unto them, 
which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight, automatically is giving you the idea that it's you. You have a friend and you go to that friend. You are part of the story. The NASB also mentions, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and said to him, friend, he's giving the same idea. The reason why I have that there is because I want you to know that this parable, even that he's talking about somebody else, is trying to involve you and me in that story. Let's imagine you have a friend, and you are the one going to that friend. Interesting. Let me go back. Because, okay, and he said to them, suppose one of you have a friend, a friend lent me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before me. The Jewish tradition, the Jewish idea is that when you have someone come into your house, they get crazy for you and they prepare something for you. They serve you. They do a lot of things for you to make you feel welcome at home. Every time I read sections like this, it reminds me a lot to my Hispanic heritage. They always teach me when someone comes to your house, you at least offer a glass of water. You go there, you at least, and if that person stays at least two hours or something like that, you start cooking something. You start preparing something because you want to give them something to eat. Now, here we have this situation. This person is coming to this house at midnight, in the middle of the night. Who does that? Who does stop by somebody's house in the middle of the night? How would you feel, Carla, if I stop by your house at midnight? Hey, I'm here. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just leaving the church, and it was, you know, I was tired. So before I go to my house, I was stopping by here. So how are you? What she will say? How she will react to that? She probably will think, do you have some family problems? Your wife doesn't love you that much? She's kicking you out and that's why you are here and you need a place to eat and cry? Here we have that situation. This friend just shows up in the middle of the night and this is what we know about the person who, is, who, who Jesus is using. Even that is my house and this person, my friend, shows up at last minute or late at night, I got crazy about it, and I want to serve that friend. So because he wants to serve that friend, you know, who's coming out of a journey and have nothing, I mean, he has nothing to serve him, then he does something that we read in the next verse, verse number 7. Then the one inside answers. I mean, sorry. He goes and, I mean, to the house of his friend and he starts doing something. He asks for bread. He asks for something, you know, to borrow so he can give something to it. And then the one inside said, Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked. And my children are with me. I can't get up and give you anything. Is that good? Is that normal? Will you do something like that? How close do you need to be to someone to be bold and open like that? Like Imars is coming to my house at 1 o'clock in the morning for some reason, some problem. He comes, he rings the bell, dun, dun, 
I go there kind of like, you know, in my, in my pajamas. Well, I don't use pajamas. I'm not going to tell you what I use. But I go there. <laughs> I go there and I, and, and I open the door. Um, and I'm saying, Pastor, can we talk? Not today. My family is sleeping. I'm going to turn on all the lights. The dogs are going to start barking. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to open this door right now. How will you feel? Who does something like that is my question again. Only people who know each other. Only people who they trust and they say, we have a friendship. Only a person who really cares about somebody else is going to expose himself to go to somebody else and say, can you give me a piece of bread, three slices of bread? Knowing that maybe that person is going to say, no, I'm not going to give you anything. I hate you. Get out of here. Come on, dogs. Go. This parable is being used by Jesus to show you something. Many people use this parable and relate that parable with the first part of that chapter, which is about prayer. Teach us to pray. And automatically what they do is they say that parable is talking about that, which very much is related. But that's not the only purpose of that parable. That is not the only purpose. We keep reading verse number 8. I tell you, thought that he would not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Just because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as what? The key word in that Bible text is the word boldness. That word is really translated. They have it as boldness. Some other versions have it as a different word that they use. But the word that you are supposed to be using there is unashamed. You're not ashamed. That's what in, 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 in Spanish you call, eres un sinvergüenza. Learn that with me. Sinvergüenza. Repeat it. You learn something new. When you say to someone, eres, you are a sinvergüenza, it's like, you're not ashamed. What's wrong with you? You are not even thinking. I mean, come on, you know. Everybody has some decency to just think, Caroline is not going to be opening the door to me at midnight. Everybody else has some decency saying, come on, you know, it's so late, I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to be asking you to wake up. Everybody in your family so you can give me three pieces of bread. This person had no shame. How that change? Being bold is just mixed sometimes with all these ideas. You have to be bold when you preach the gospel. You have to be bold when you, when you talk about Christ. You have to kind of like some kind of like, yes, you can do it. To be unashamed, to be with no shame at all, means you don't really care what people think. Means you are going to do whatever is necessary and you're going to be uh, unashamed of what you are doing just because you are doing it for somebody else. He was doing it for the friend. You see, and that's why I have to tell you, you need to learn that word. You know, you cannot be ashamed. 
Because sometimes we apply that to us. We said, Lord, I am bold for you. Lord, look at me. I'm a bold person. I can just move. It's not about you. Everything you do in this life, everything you apply in this life, everything, what the, everything that this parable is talking about is about you doing something for somebody else and not being ashamed of the ways you're going to get it. You are going to get it. Because you want to help that person. Because you want to please that person. Because you want for that person to be happy and satisfied where that person is. Let's say someone comes to this church, the Orange Church. And I know many of you stay here in this church because you guys felt welcome. You guys felt the friendship here. I mean, you go inside and you say, I can smell friendship here. Something happened that once you shake the hand of somebody outside, ah, you're kind of like, wow, you know, they make me feel welcome. But what about on top of that? Can you imagine if those greeters, this is only an example, don't take a greeters, do we have to be doing all of that? No. But let's just think, you know, those greeters, they say, welcome, and they, they go running. Hey, do you have some water, some water, some juice? Hey, do you, you need some water? Maybe, you know, we don't want, oh, by the way, we have this thing, it's kind of hot, so you need somebody to just, you know, be blowing you some, some air or something so you feel comfortable? You need someone to give you a massage, you know, maybe I go outside, you know, here, maybe, you know, how do you feel now? Can you imagine just listening to the sermon and somebody giving you a massage? You want more, huh? <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you here is the example that the parable is telling you to go to the extreme, to be unashamed and not feeling sorry about it. But not because you're doing it for you, but because you are doing it for somebody else. That's why many people, when they see this parable and the, and, the, and the prayer part, they say, no, no, one minute, these are two different things. The prayer is done, and now he's using this parable to try to make sure that they know something else. And some other people, they put it together because they say, oh, you know, there it is. If you talk to God and you are, you know, bold about it and you keep asking and asking and asking and asking and asking, God is going to give it to you. But the problem they have, people that study this part of the Bible, is like, that means that if I keep asking and asking and asking and asking to God something that I think I need, I need, I need, I need, or he needs, he needs, or she needs, she needs, he's going to suddenly change his mind and say, okay, you're right, that's what you need. And people have problems with that because they say, God is the same. You cannot talk to him and change his mind. He already knows what you need. He already knows who you are. So this parable, and that's why I want to take you in this direction today. Even that I, I, I know I saw everything about prayer, the, you know, the hymn, it was about what a friend we have in Jesus, but maybe the friendship part is here. But more than that, he's asking you, church, he's asking you, brother and sister, to be unashamed, to try to get whatever you need for that person that needs you, that comes to your doors, inside your house, inside your church that comes into your life, you are going to try to get whatever you can. And any means, it doesn't matter if it's late, you are going to try to help that person. Don't be ashamed of doing that. If this church works like that, what kind of image do you think the other people out there will have about us? 
That's why we have people that are coming to church and they stay here. They feel that they can find something more. Now, Luke. Luke was supposed to be doing something there. After that verse, number eight, he was supposed to be doing something. He was supposed to be stopping. He was supposed to be saying stop. That's the paragraph. I mean, sorry, that's the, that's the parable. It has a meaning. Let's stop. But Luke is trying to tell you, he's trying to send a message to you and me. He knew about the prayer part. He knew that you have to learn. After that, he used this part, be unashamed. Do it. Keep doing. You, you, know, you, you know, if you're afraid, you just, if you want to help someone, you just do it without thinking what everybody else is going to tell you. And now he uses, other than stopping, verses 9 to 13. And if I read it fast, said, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, he who seeks finds, and to him the door open. That sounds good? That sounds more like a prayer? Many, many of you are going to say, yes, it is. That's like a prayer. If that relates to the story that he was talking about, the friend trying to, you know, make the other guy to open the door, applies. Luke is thinking here, what can I do for everybody else to get the message? And then he keeps reading, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And if you, and if you then thought that you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, do you have your Bibles? Go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 12. If you have the Bible open in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 12, read that, a few seconds there, read it right now, and tell me if there's any difference with what we have here on the screen. Does everything matches the same? Everything matches the same except the last part. The last part that Matthew uses in verse number 12, so in, sorry, in verse number 11, if you then thought you are evil, know how to give more, will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Matthew uses gifts. And what people are saying here is, okay, what happened here is this. This is what's going on. Look. By the way, there are different ways that they think. They think, some people think Matthew was the first, uh, the first book that it was written, and then after that it was Luke. Many people think Mark was the first book that it was written, and then it was Matthew, and Luke came from Matthew. Or Luke came from Mark, but right after Matthew. However it is, the one that all, they all agree that was written before, I mean, you know, somebody sit there and start writing, it was Matthew. And if Matthew was reading before, and you have this, the same part you have in Luke as you have in Matthew, Luke was thinking at that moment, that's it. I want to make a point. And I'm going to use this text right after what I'm trying to tell you. 
right after the message I'm trying for the people to get. So they can see that if you ask, if you seek, and if you knock, you are going to get it. That means being unashamed. That means being persistent. That means being what God wants you to do. Not only for you, but for someone. The only difference, and I, uh, as I mentioned, is that in the last part here, it says, Father in heaven, give the Holy Spirit. And people said, that's simple. Because he did give, I mean, he did have the message of Matthew before. He changed all the gifts from God for something that is so important in your life and in my life. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the best gift that everybody can get. Now, that's awesome. We can only accomplish many of these things by that only gift that you and I can have here and is the only power and only force that is going to move you and me, you and me, to do things, to wake up in the morning, to wake up late at night, to be worried about your friend, to be worried about the one that comes to your doors, to be worried about the one that comes to this church, that's the only power that is going to move you. God has a message for you and me. Yes, we need to pray. But we need to be unashamed and we need to start moving in such a way that we do things not because of you, not because you deserve it, not because who you are. You do things for others without thinking about what everybody else is going to say, not thinking about how much you deserve to be praised, but you do it because you are being moved by that Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is the only power that is going to make you ask, seek, and knock. It's like me saying, you know, uh, it's, it's like me calling to Rusty and the phone, Rusty, I'm, are you going to be home? Yeah, I'm going to be home. Three minutes later, I stop by his house and I start looking through the windows. Rusty, are you home? What are you doing outside? Are you home? And then after one minute, I'm knocking at the door. Rusty, are you there? Is that persistence? Will you get annoyed by someone like that? Can you imagine you have people, I mean, people from church coming to your house and doing that? Hey, Imars, uh, are you going to be home? You know, ask. Are you going to be home? Yeah, I'm, okay, okay. Oh, great. Okay, see you then in a few minutes, I guess. And then, you know, after that, I stop by your house and start seek, seeking, like, Imars, are you there? Are you hiding? Are you, I know you told me, but are you there? Yes, I'm here. And then you are, Imars, are you there? We need to think about being persistent, being unashamed. Not because of you, but because that is going to serve. That is going to be used. That is the motive behind, the motive behind what you are going to be doing for somebody else. Church, this parable is about you doing something, looking as far as you can, going and looking for solutions, looking for whatever you need in order for you to try to please, to try to help, to try 
to make that person, whoever is in your house or in your church, make that person feel right at home. Because that person sees you as a friend, as someone they can trust. What are we going to do? I love this church when they said, I'm staying because of this. I'm here because I feel this. I'm here because I feel that I'm welcome. I That's what God is doing through you. Don't ever stop doing that. More than that, apply it to your life. Apply it to your personal life. Because it's easy many times to do it here. It's really easy to just show it here when everybody's here. When everybody's telling you, well, you know, you are a person that smiles all the time. Look at you. Thank you. Well, look at you. You're hugging. You don't hug me or whatever. You know, you hug, you know, thank you. But what about when you leave this place? What happened then? How much can you be that annoying friend? Annoying friend just going and looking for help among everybody else to try to help someone else, to try to please someone else, to try to make that person welcome, to try to send the message that you really care for that person. You and me need to live a life that is going to be, I don't know how you say it, an shameful life, I guess that's the way. I don't know, maybe I'm creating a new world. I don't know. Be unashamed. Just go. Do your thing. Let the Holy Spirit work in your life. Only by then we can do all those things. Ask, seek, and knock at the door. If you think you don't have it, if you think you're almost there, there's always opportunities. And there are always events or moments that happen in your life that you can probably think, God, thank you for giving me this chance to do that. Don't waste it. Do not waste it. God is good. And all the time, he never changes. If he never changes, you don't change. His love never changes. His spirit never changes. He's going to keep moving this church until the day that Jesus Christ is going to come back for the second time. And he's closer. It's closer. After all the earthquakes, and all, it's closer. What else can you say? How come so many of them? closer. But don't lose focus and just watch, be watching all those earthquakes. Nothing new. Think about what God wants you to do today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity you give us to all of us to practice that attitude, that yeah, that attitude of being ashamed of doing things when we are doing those things for somebody else. Help us to remember that our lives 
our lives is not about us. It's about others. Help us to work together to send this message, to send, give this living testimony. Help us, O oh Lord, to seek, to knock. Help us. Help us to do what you want us to do as a church, as individuals. You know what we need. And you give us the opportunity sending people to this church and to our lives. So through you, we can do something for them. Help us to work together with you so we can send a practical message. Help us to have the Holy Spirit among us and help us to understand that that Holy Spirit is the only one who is going to move us in this life and to be prepared for your second coming. In Jesus' name, we want to ask all of this. Amen.